0: We're back for another episode of ASC Digs Deeper. This episode is a particularly pertinent one for Pride Month as we've got ASC archaeologist Drew Lingham talking about their experiences of being an LGBT plus archaeologist. Drew, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us how you identify within the LGBT plus community?
1: Of course, I'm really, really excited to be here. I love Pride Month, it's my favourite time of year. I get to celebrate and do all my stuff. Uh, so yeah, my name is uh, Drew. Uh, I am non-binary. Uh, I go by they/them pronouns. Uh, if you want me to get into specifics, I'm non-binary, trans-feminine, and I'm also bisexual, you know, just add that one in there. Nice.
0: Uh, and yeah. So I think what we'll start the the conversation off with is as normal, use your archaeological background before we go into a bit more about how being how being you has affected your archaeological journey. So, how did you get into archaeology? Like, did you always want to be an archaeologist?
1: Well, for me, it's a relatively recent phenomenon. So mm. my undergraduate was actually in philosophy, ah. uh, and then I decided that I did I enjoyed philosophy. But I actually really liked history, I really loved doing historical stuff, so I decided from my Masters I wanted to do Archaeology because I have a really keen interest in Central American Archaeology and I really (laughs) really love studying how people interact with the world around them. Uh, And so I came to UCL, did my Masters here and then yeah, I got a volunteering position with ASC and the rest is history.
0: (laughs) <laughs> the rest is historical archaeology <laughs> <laughs> amazing how did you find being an lgbt plus student at ucl
1: yeah it's really really good uh i think we have some great networks in ucl so i think obviously when you're a student you get to do all the fun stuff all the party stuff you know i think mm. my first first week of being at ucl i went to and did like uh because this is all during the pandemic all during of course, yeah. pandemic uh, so we did a lot of zoom events and one of the things we did was a zoom house party which was amazing <laughs> it was really good with the LGBT society uh we also did a pub quiz a couple other things so it was really great you know I think UCL has been really good for being inclusive and creating ha- this mm-hmm. warming safe environment for to be an LGBT person and you know very non-judgmental really great
0: That's great yeah so how does that work now that you're employed by UCL as we are still part of the Institute of Archaeology? Well
1: even better I mean it's (laughs) been really really great being here like I think I really only came to fully understand my gender identity uh, really the last year or two and that's kind of coincided with working here at this company Mm. and I think the main amazing thing for me has been these wonderful co-workers who I've been working with and particularly, yeah, there'd be one or two who I think, without their support and without their understanding, I don't think I'd be in the same place I am now because they were just friendly, not just mentor. You know, I could talk to them and that was a really mm. great thing. And I think it's great working here Uh, in terms of just talking to the managers even about this kind of stuff because mm. I changed my name when I first started working here. So when I first started working here, I was going by my uh, old name of Michael.
0: Mm.
1: And it was really great because I emailed the office saying, okay, hey, uh, we think about using Drew, could you put that out for the system and also using the pronouns. And, and it was just straight away accepted. It was put down on staff sheet and all my uh, supervisors, all the managers, they'd be so great about it. It was like straight away using the staff. It's been brilliant.
0: That's so wonderful. So good to hear. Because, yeah, I noticed when we were emailing about doing the podcast that it comes up with NX like, yes. as your yes. title, which is oh, yes. really cool.
1: Yeah, that was what I honestly I really love that feature because I think sometimes being a non-binary person, it, it's, there's still so many little small binaries which are mm. out in the world you don't even think about. So mm. having the ability just to put down like NX and just have that. it's always The one thing I always think about, is it mix or mixta? I always, yeah. I, <laughs> I always go for mixed there because I think that's kind of quite cool. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's really great, and I think that is something to be really great, just like communicating with people because I'm I'm not instantly gendered by the way I use my yeah, pronouns uh, or exactly. the titles. So yeah, really love that.
0: I kind of wanted to talk a bit more about I don't know about pronouns as well. Like, is there any way that you know would that be useful? Something to have as as kind of like. Like when I when I popped up your thing and and it said you know MX, but it would also have been useful really for me to know like your pronouns from that. Yeah, but I don't think that's a a feature that exists at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, it would be really really helpful because obviously when I came out, I obviously had to send an email out with my pronouns, and mm. that was you know it was it was great at what I did, everyone's uh, understanding. I wasn't sure how it'd work with supervisors I haven't actually met before. Uh, yeah. so obviously I emailed my manager and they told HR. And what I assume happened is an email was sent round or something on the staff sheet. But there's always that kind of uncertainty. Sometimes mm. a little bit of whether I have to tell supervisors my pronouns yeah. or a lot or whether. Um. Uh, so yeah, stuff so like that would be really good. I think just to make life easier for people, you know, like me who are understanding the gender identity who may not fit normally into the kind of binary or into the mm. laws. and even for people who are just generally questioning the gender identity yeah. you know, want to see what it feels like to use a different pronouns because I think that's really important for people to be able to experiment and I think it's something which I found a lot working here uh, which is why the coworkers be so great is that I've obviously been experimenting a lot more with finding myself and having a non judgmental space for that is is great.
0: Yeah, that's so good to hear. I mean, even as a you know very sort of you know I present as the gender that people think I am, and and that I feel that I am, but my title is doctor, and so it's a, it's your gen it's a gender neutral title which I love yeah. actually. Yeah. But it would also be useful for people emailing me or emailing people about me, yeah. perhaps, especially if you're not used to sort of British names, yeah. like I have quite a feminine name. So yeah. like in, you know, in the Western world, it's it, people don't tend to get it wrong, but it, yeah, it it, it would be, be a useful feature, like just in it, general, it, yeah. you know, it, these, these changes positively affect everybody there's, yeah there's no negative i don't no. think
1: well it's always a small it's, i think it's always small little things which actually make go a, a long way for helping mm. people feel included and yeah. I, I i love the title you know uh, the, the the thing you said about being a doctor because yeah one of the things i was thinking about honestly when i was uh, thinking about my future because i want to do a doctor at some point it's like mm it's absolutely amazing because then if I said I'm a doctor no I, I, I'm actually just you know gender neutral title exactly main reason go for a doctorate get that gender neutral title yeah. it's amazing
0: for me I was like I don't need to be defined by whether I'm married or not exactly like, I don't need Perfect. no man to yeah. define
1: we love that, that. I like that yeah. it's yeah strong independence <laughs> I, love, I love it good vibes so yeah, yeah.
0: I mean the research was all secondary really it's all, yeah, yeah it's, it's all, all, about it's all for those titles <laughs> Definitely. Have you got any idea what you'd want to do a PhD in at this point?
1: Wow, well, it's it's uh, it's a big it's a big topic. I mean, my first love in archaeology is Central America and the Maya mm-hmm. and it's Mesoamerica in general. I think it's really fascinating, and I think I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't try to go for that. Yeah. But I think, especially for a person like me who. I find being LGBT is a big part of my life and it's a big mm. part of my identity in so many ways. I'd love to be able to do my doctorate uh to include stuff about yeah. being gender identity and you know, people who uh fitted outside the norm of gender ideas, you know, people who've transitioned from male to female, female to male, or people who mm. are not anywhere in it or who are in between. Because I think these kind of topics they kind of get ignored and I think there's such interesting things to talk about because even mm. even if you don't think about all the ways it's helpful for representation and stuff like that it tells us a lot about the societies and how they yeah. run and interact and treat people so yeah I'd love to be able to do just mass America stuff and talk about gender archaeology queer yeah. archaeology yeah I that think... kind of stuff
0: I think I heard a loke talking about how like the non binary non binary people are not are not a recent construction. Like yeah. this has been a for for the, for all of time yeah. these people have existed and, and been revered and accepted within their communities and indigenous communities as well, I think, have a lot of space for the people yeah, who identify as non binary and yeah and it's and it's a real crying shame and injustice that that the
1: patriarchy and yes, <laughs> taking us down. It is really great, it was honestly one of my favorite things about uh, learning archaeology and being taught archaeology, seeing all these different ways we're represented. Uh, and it was great because I did a uh, a course of Egyptian archaeology with Stephen. I'm terrible with surnames. I think it's Quirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons he assigned was gender and identity. And this wasn't just generally with uh, Egyptology, uh, but it was just talk about generally how we view kind of, gender identity throughout history and I think there there are so many examples in that book of, uh, I think Samoa has quite a few examples of third gender but they also talk about things like Eunuchs in the the Byzantines and the Chinese, how they they occupy this kind of third space in archaeology and and in their gender as well Um, and I think a bit later I have a little bit of history with uh, the Romans to talk about with that, so that's something to uh, look forward to
0: yeah, so let's talk about, like, I guess the here and now of archaeology. How does being uh, non-binary, like, kind of play into your role as an archaeologist?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few ways. I think I think I mentioned that being non-binary really affects your thinking about things because
0: mm.
1: I see outside the norm, which I think enables me to think outside of the norm mm. because, obviously, I've... Uh, Looked at these ideas of gender and identity, that sadly aren't for me. And, and then I begin to think about how those ideas relate to the people of the past, nor however how other mm-hmm. ideas relate to the people of the past. You know, we have lots of patriarchal ideas of what roles men and women uh, place in society. And I, I think there's a lot of thinking about that, which comes into my archaeology. Um, I think also, in, like, in a very practical sense, being an LGBT archaeologist, uh, is really interesting. But it also, obviously, there are some challenges it raises. For sure. Uh, I think... I think I, I wanted to talk about this when I was doing this podcast. Uh, it's about, I think, working in archaeology because sometimes we see seen as a very straight, white uh, male mm. profession. Mm. And I think especially in commercial archaeology, where a lot of the work we do is with developers and builders, I think there's sort of this... I know I had this kind of slight worry when I was coming into this industry of how I was going to be seen, how I was going to mm. be treated. Um, and I think, you know, to be very positive, it's been really great. I haven't had really any sort of bad experiences with co-workers, but also with the builders. I think, you know, they get a bad rep sometimes for mm. being a certain way. And it's not always the case. Um, But I always think, that's not to say it doesn't happen because yeah. there have been a couple of sites where it's been a bit uh, sketchy. Yeah. Um, and I think, but one of the most important things I found working as an archaeologist is that you have such a great team around you. Uh, so I, I have such wonderful co-workers and teammates who I know have my back in these kinds of yeah. situations. Yeah. So if someone did say something... They they'd be there for me, and I I think yeah. that's really great to to see.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess that kind of like leads well onto the question, like what would advice would you give for your archaeological and non archaeological allies? Like how can they support, like people within the LGBT plus community? Yeah, in, in being them true selves, their true selves at work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's quite a few different ways you could help. I think honestly, so many ways. Even by calling yourself an ally, you, you've already taken a great step. And that's brilliant because you're recognising that sometimes we do need support and having mm. someone on our side is is great. Uh, I can talk from experience myself. Some of the things that would be most helpful for me as an LGBT person in, in archaeology is just being non-judgmental mm. and accepting. Uh, because when you're... Especially for someone like me who's who's relatively... I mean, I say relatively fresh. I've been out as a non-binary person for over a year now. Right. But I remember at the start, that, and even now, there's a lot of exploring and a lot of trying mm. new things. And uh, sometimes you have to kind of switch things up, trying different things. And to have people just accept that and not judge yeah. you for it is, is really, really helpful. It makes it so much easier coming to work because, you know, I, I will occasionally... Dress in a way which is more uh, affirming to my gender identity. And I think Mm. having an environment where that's okay and safe to do so um, makes life a lot easier. Yeah. And I also think a big part of being an ally is just listening and, you know, uh, to other experiences. I think even for other LGBT people, it's important just to listen to each other and to understand that, there are some experiences you don't have uh, mm. you won't fully understand because you have experienced them yourself but that doesn't mean they don't exist you 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 can't downplay them yeah um so i think that's really important just to listen and understand and i think it it, it is we mentioned the small things you could do to help people and it, it is you know it's it's the small things you do when we're not around uh yeah. so it's like reminding people of your pronouns if they slip up or educating someone gently if they said something which may not be construed in the right way. Um, Because uh, one of my supervisors I know has talked to one one of my friends who I'm very close to saying, look, if I ever get Drew's pronouns wrong, uh, please just let me know or remind me, because I know it's yeah. important for them. And and I, that was such a lovely gesture. I think that's so lovely to hear. It does make you feel so much more supported. So yeah, that's sure. my big thing to say for any allies.
0: Mm, I feel like, and I really hope this is the case, that people are trying hard to to kind of unlearn behaviours that are, you know, unhelpful and, yeah, really... Yeah get to grips with for, for many people it is kind of a new reality yeah and, yeah and one with so much potential as well yeah the world yeah. is so much more rich with people like, from across so many different backgrounds
1: yeah well it is really exciting and I think it is so exciting to hear these new voices in archaeology coming yeah. out there I think they can bring so much more to the table yeah uh, really
0: yeah, what, what advice would you have for people like you or people who identify within the LGBT community who might want to become an archaeologist?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the most important things is to find your allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think especially when you're working in a new environment is find the people who you know, are, are going to be supportive and helpful because for me, that was one of the things which really helped me. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to name drop people like Pippa and Jodie, because they've been so really fantastic for mm. helping me understand myself. Uh, I think mean, in the first couple of weeks of working here, uh, I Pippa said to me, oh, I saw on your uh, uh, WhatsApp that you go by Drew on that, do you want me to call you that? Uh, I said, yeah, and to your also asked, oh, uh, what are your pronouns? And, and it's just simple things like that coming into it in a res- really respectful way, which is really good. So I would really recommend finding people like that. You know, mm. some, some places are luckier than others and you know, it's not always going to be possible, but there are those people out there. Uh, I would also say have confidence in yourself because mm. I think... Once you realise that there is nothing wrong with your identity, that there is nothing right. wrong with being who you are, it's, it's so much easier going out into the world. And if someone treats you badly or says something wrong, if you have confidence in yourself, you can say, well, they would be wrong and stupid for saying that. It's not you, it's, it's them.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think a lot of times the best way to deal with those kind of things is if you do have any issues talk to supervisors yeah and I I know that UCL has a lot I think in the last couple years uh, done more of dignity at work and creating this confidential way of reporting I think if you do run into any issues I think that's something I really recommend because these things don't get sorted unless Mm. people know about them and you know it's, it's sometimes it's a sad reality that the only people who really understand the hurt and the impact of some of the things people say is the ones who are being affected by it, I guess. Uh, But I think definitely talk to someone if anything like that happens. But I think the other big thing is is not to be scared by it Mm. because I think, because archaeology has a reputation of being very uh, white and straight male, you forget about all these amazing voices which are already in archaeology because yeah. working here you know there are so many wonderful people who are lgbt or who who are what just like you know i've talked about pepper there's people yeah. like samara who works at POSEX. Yeah. we've got some other wonderful supervisors i mean obviously you you know you're a doctor and, and do wonderful <laughs> things and do all this outreach stuff you know we've got wonderful people working here and i think it's important for you know you and archaeologists to realize that you're not jumping into a place where you're alone you're you're with uh, people who are there to support you and accept you so Mm, yeah
0: yeah that's really good to hear what's your favorite bit of lgbt plus archaeology
1: oh it's it's really really (laughs) tough to kind of pinpoint one thing in particular but you know i was thinking about it for this podcast i think i was really fascinated when reading about uh i um, terrible pronunciation again. You must forgive me, especially any Roman scholars who are out uh-huh. there listening to this.
0: Don't you uh, worry,
1: <laughs> Elagabalus, uh, who is emperor Elagabalus. I should oh, say. Oh yes,
0: he's I feel like I titles.
1: do know who this is. Yeah. Uh, so Emperor Gabalus was—he's uh, been kind of nicknamed, or sorry, she has been or they've yeah. been nicknamed a transgender emperor. Interesting. So originally they were the high priests of a Syrian sun cult. Uh, to a sun God called Elagabal. But they, in a lot of the historical records, they've been described in very family ways. So it's been alleged that they wanted to be called Domina over dominus, which oh. is obviously the female way of doing it. Yeah. And they also reported to offer huge sums of money to any uh, surgeon who could give them, like, a sort of proto gender reassignment surgery, right. which is really fascinating because it's a very, <clears throat> obviously, a very old uh, tradition, and, and it's really interesting to see even such an early, powerful figure wanting mm. something like this. I think it's really interesting we're discussing allegabalus because... There has been so much. His reign was quite. Con, de, their reign was quite controversial.
0: <laughs> right. I think that's where I've heard of them It's from a horrible history song about bad emperors. I've just remembered. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, it probably is because. <laughs> so I think Rome, uh, the Romans, have a very strong history of uh, disparaging any emperors which were popular at the time. Mm. So a lot of things we know about Elagabalus comes from these historical records uh which obviously means that when we see terms thrown around like well uh, transgender is a great term and i love the term but it's also has there's quite a lot of modern use of it mm-hmm. so i think sometimes applying it to the past is, is trickier than we think but i think it's fair to say that ella Gabala's was probably gender non-conforming which i think right. is interesting in its own right and really yeah. really interesting. Uh, So, yeah, that was a really interesting bit of history. And I think my favourite bit about this was uh, I read about this because I'm also Welsh and I'm very keenly Welsh. Ah, I love Wales, favourite place. Fellow, (laughs) Ah, fellow (laughs) Welsh. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I think it was in Wales they found a huge haul, about 300 coins with uh, their face printed on it. Um, And I think that was one of the big finds in, in Wales archaeology mm. in recent years so I think that that was really 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 interesting for me really I, I love yeah yeah, yeah. I, I have a big love of Welsh archaeology um, and I think Wales has its own place in LGT history which I think mm. is really interesting uh, I think that would be a whole podcast seminar by itself <laughs> but, oh and it's funny as well because one of the I don't know if you've heard about uh, the new mayor in, I think it's Bangor. Oh
0: yeah, it's Bangor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, he is, oh, sorry, I keep doing this. They are <laughs> yeah. non-binary. Yeah. But they are also an archaeologist, which right. is really fascinating. Um, They're
0: and... like the youngest mayor ever as well, aren't they? Or something? Exactly. Or like, are they like, 19 or 20 or something yeah. like just for people who aren't up to date with <laughs> with welsh politics
1: oh they're really <laughs> awesome i i yeah. really love them and i think they're i remember reading about them in a bc news article honestly that it was so affirming and it mm. was really great to see that representation which is again part of the reason why i wanted to you know do a bit of outreach for that exactly i went uh Sure that we're here, we're around, we're talking, we can make lots of noise and ramble on about different archaeological things. It's
0: good stuff. Exactly. I was just thinking, you're talking about Welsh archaeology and sort of gender non-conforming or maybe uh, when gender has been assigned to things that has been incorrect Um, and one of the big things for me is the red lady of parvaland have you heard of this one
1: i don't think i have no
0: i think it's i'm gonna get all the facts wrong now but i think it's um when people found it they thought it was an ochre burial in a cave um i've got a feeling it's on the on the uh east coast or sort of around that um sort of peninsula Mm. uh area of wales um and it was covered in red ochre, this this burial, and they thought that it was a Roman prostitute female yeah. that had been servicing the, uh, the legionaries of a fort nearby. But when it was actually properly researched by archeologists, they found that it was uh, like sexually male and like early, early homo sapien paleolithic. I think it's, oh, I'm gonna get it wrong. I think it's upper paleolithic. So it's really, really mm. old and for me it's just one of those examples of where like it doesn't make sense to to assign gender based on our based on our modern preconceptions yeah of yeah what gender should be yeah
1: yeah exactly I think that's really really interesting and, and I oh thank you for saying that because that's something I'm definitely going to be doing some research on yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I think gender is such a, a big big topic and and you yeah. know, I think I think in this podcast we talked about a lot of gender because for me that's kind of the biggest part of my identity which is interesting for understanding myself but I think sexuality as well Mm. trying to apply sexuality to the past is complex and difficult and uh we sometimes um I think I think there's this great subreddit on Reddit. I don't know if you ever use Reddit, but it's called. Uh, yeah.
0: I find it too, too procrastinating.
1: <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I shouldn't use it. But there's this great subreddit called uh, Sappho and uh, Her Friend. Okay. And it's all making a joke about how a lot of historians with uh, a downplay the roles of large oh. LGBT people by saying, oh, it's Sappho and, and her roommate rather than Sappho and her lover. Yeah. Yeah. And they do a lot of things like that. It's really great. It's I encourage anyone to have a look at that subreddit if they're interested in that kind of thing because it's it's funny at anything. Mm-hmm. And, like, and again, I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to to talk about LGT history because uh, so often in terms of, you know, history, same-sex relations or, you know, non-conforming sexualities are kind of dismissed as like, mm. they'll say like, oh, this person was never married or they were yeah. great friends. It's yeah, these yeah, classic yeah, yeah. cliche terms which uh, used to downplay the roles which our lives have. And we've existed for, for years and years and years and exactly. we continue existing. So, yeah.
0: Have you ever read The Power by Naomi Alderman? Oh, I don't think so. It's, um. it's basically sort of plot is that women start to get powers and so that in the end they're more powerful than men Mm. so the patriarchy is kind of subverted um and throughout the book there are pictures of archaeological finds and the description of them has been completely turned on its head so like powerful male figures become likely male prostitute sort of oh. like do you see what i mean the kind Yeah of, that's really interesting. Um, oh, i like that. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was really as an archaeologist really interesting to see how how if a feminine perspective or a female perspective had been the most powerful perspective how we might have reinterpreted a lot of different archaeological sites. Yeah. And obviously yeah. that's you know a male or female as we've been discussing perspective is not helpful we need to find yeah. something in the middle that, that yeah. doesn't quite yeah, uh, yeah 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 isn't so binary <laughs>
1: yeah yeah oh, that's really interesting i'm, I'm yeah. definitely gonna sure check that book out that's really yeah
0: it's great what are your future hopes for lgbt plus archaeology
1: Oh, well, some grand hopes and <clears throat> some more reasonable ones, I think. But I, I honestly, I really want to see greater representation about you yes. people. Like, I think that is the one thing which I think is needed in this industry a lot more. Um, I think generally a lot more minority voices need to come into archaeology mm-hmm. and, and speak out because I think we have such, you know, interesting things to say and unique approaches. that mm. yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Um and I think uh oh I'd love to see some more research into LGT history or archaeological mm. history. Uh I think that's something which I find personally really interesting. I think anyone should find it interesting because yeah. it, I mean, you know, not to get too uh too <laughs> sudden about things, but I think it's probably one of the most interesting things you can study. Yeah. Uh but I always get really excited whenever I hear about some new piece of archaeological history which talks about gender and identity and I would be so so interested in working on a site uh, where that's coming into you know there's been a bit of that history going on there um mm. uh, you know working at ASC I think there are lots of sites we uh, work on that uh, I think it's really good just to have that different approach to you know if you see a burial and you see artifacts which look strange or don't look they fit the kind of narrative Mm, which one mm. person might say having the alternate viewpoint is is really good for that
0: yeah i think i don't know if this is actually a useful thing to suggest but something i'd like to see is is more is more sort of non-binary non-gender conforming reconstructions as well yeah people doing stuff that you don't normally see like men as child as child carers yeah yeah definitely you know women hunting i think there's been some depictions of that lately and then also just people that you just you just don't know their gender so like great you know you you don't have to have gendered people in the past doing gendered roles i mean of course there's some historical evidence for that but if you literally don't know then then why why place genders doing certain things
1: yeah, exactly. I think that uh, especially if you're, if you're always placing gender, you're never going to find the in between, and that's a bit of history which you'll miss, which I think yeah. is always a bit sad.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I think we're coming to quite a nice natural conclusion. I yeah,
1: I think I think uh, I can make two a good kind of end to this discussion. I think. I wanted to just uh, mention a few kind of UCL support oh, networks, yeah, sure. which I think people may find interesting if they are a student or an employee here. Mm-hmm. So when I was a postgrad student, doing my masters here, obviously I was part of the UCL LGBT network, mm-hmm. and I really think I'd I'd recommend any LGBT person to go along to the to events and to talk with them because I think they're really great people and really amazing, and they are really helpful. Mm. Uh, I know that we the staff also have their own network. Uh, I believe it's called Out at UCL. Yes. Um, which I Out think and Allies. I think.
0: because I'm part of it too.
1: <laughs> I think. I think there is two. I think. So I think there's a UCL network which is called Out at UCL. Uh-huh. And I know that ASC have their own amazing yes. <laughs> Facebook page, which I highly recommend to anyone because it's brilliant and fantastic and it's full of amazing posts. Yeah, uh, which is called kind of... Out and Allies at ASC
0: yeah it's kind of it's kind of full of hope I find like yeah I, which I really really enjoy and like hope and useful things yeah <laughs> it,
1: it it is just a, such a positive page and I think that's something which which sometimes we forget you know, uh, when we're discussing our stuff is that it's a really positive experience mm-hmm. you know we're talking about Uh, loving someone or being who you are, you know, such positive things and Mm. I think sometimes because of the nature of the world around us we forget that but seeing pages like our analysis at ASC I I really find it really positive because there's always people talking and always uh, people advertising different events which I think is really really cute and and fun to see you know, because we're a lively bunch so I think if you're ever curious come hit us up and uh yeah say hello
0: we're friendly yeah. bunch <laughs> we are and i think I hope that's the takeaway really is that yeah yeah we can be you can have a supportive network in archaeology
1: yeah i think i think that's the main thing i want to say to everyone uh any lgbt person who's listening to this is that you know this is this is a good environment to be lgbt in it's a it's a good safe environment i've had a a great experience working here and I think I understand where you know lots of people have fears and mm. all that but I think it's been wonderful really yeah being here
0: great thank you so much for coming and sharing your perspectives with us and with all of our listeners as well I'm just so glad that we were able to have this conversation and um, I think it's just just brilliant so thank you
1: Thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me this platform to uh, spew my ramblings out about LGBT <laughs> stuff. So you're good so to very you welcome.
0: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye.
1: Bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed that episode of Archaeology Southeast Digs Deeper. You can find more information about the episode in the show notes or on our website at ucl.ac.uk/ archaeology-south-east/podcast. For more archaeology content, follow us on Twitter at ArcSouthEast and Facebook and Instagram at ArchaeologySouthEast. Thanks for listening!